Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our text for our meditation this morning is recorded for us in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, verses 97 and 103 and 104. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. Dear fellow redeemed, oh, how I love your law. Who of you here today could say that with a straight face? Oh, how I love your law. We often think about God's law as making us feel bad, condemning us for our sins, the things that we have done wrong. Oh, how I love your law. Seems like you'd have to be a a masochist or a sadist to say such things. It's important for us as Christians to desire to understand even this truth of God's word. So that hopefully we too ourselves might be able to say that with a straight face and a sincere heart. Oh, how I love your law. Now, if I was to ask any of you here today, what do you love? I'm guessing that none of you would say speed limits. I love speed limits, Pastor, right? It's probably not on the top of your list of things that you love. Yet, if we spent some time to discuss the purpose of speed limits, I'm sure all of you would agree that speed limits are good. Yes, they restrict and control us to some extent, but they also protect human life ours and the lives of other people on the road. And so we can certainly say of those laws, even of speed limits, that they are good. We might even say that we love them. You know, it's interesting to think about our world and the way it responds to God's laws. It probably views them in a very negative light as restricting, not seeing the good purpose for which God gave them. Maybe perhaps the same way that a child views its parents' rules. When the parent says, go to bed at 9 o'clock, do your homework, eat your vegetables, don't play out in the busy street, it only sees the restriction and not the benefit. And we see that God's law is good, isn't it? Even when God says, you shall not kill, though it restricts the mother from aborting her baby, It preserves life, doesn't it? When God says, you shall not commit adultery, it certainly restricts us from promiscuity and perversion, but it's good for the individual, for marriage, for family, for society, for our health, and so many other things. When God's law says, you shall not steal, it keeps us from taking everything that we want, but it also preserves the things that we have. Yes, we can say in many ways that God's law is good. It's good for our earthly lives. The world, on the other hand, is maybe a bit like the rebel that we know in school or in class that tries to convince us, don't listen to the rules. Those aren't important. Do what feels good. Follow your heart. That's what's best for you. But in many ways, isn't that the same temptation that Satan had for Eve in the garden? Follow your heart. Do what feels good, but it led to pain, destruction, and death. 
As Christians, we see the goodness of God's law. How following those laws in this world certainly prevents us from so much pain and, and suffering so that we don't want to follow false ways. But we know that the law is good really for another reason, a far, far greater purpose. The law is good in that it shows us our sin. Isn't that really a, a good purpose? I mean, it's much like the, the doctor that has to share the difficult news with a woman with cancer that her condition is bleak. It's only upon hearing those difficult words that she's willing and, and ready to seek treatment. So also God's law is good in that way in that it, it shows our sin, it, it convicts us, shows that we need a Savior. And that really leads to the second point of the message today. Oh, I love your law because it's sweet as honey. You know, if any of us maybe would have a difficult time saying that we love God's law, how much more so would we find it difficult to say that God's law is sweet like honey? And it's good to note, though, that in verse 97 of our lesson for today, that term law that's used there is a more general term than the commands or precepts of God. It's in fact, it's the word Torah. You know, just like we use the term gospel kind of in a, a general sense at times. Yes, oftentimes we use gospel to describe Christ's saving work for us, that our sins are forgiven, that we have the sure hope of heaven. But we also use gospel in another way, don't we, to describe the life of Christ as recorded in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So also God's law at times isn't just used to describe his commands, but a more broad term to describe his word. In fact, that word Torah has also been used to describe books of the Bible. The first five books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy Books which, of course, contain God's commands, his Ten Commandments, but also many gospel promises in them as well. Well, understanding this about that term law in verse 97, we certainly can see how God's law could also be viewed as something as sweet as honey, especially those gospel promises. It's been said that Jewish teachers for centuries have used a little bit of a trick with children in teaching them God's word or teaching them their Hebrew from little on. They'd give them a little bit of honey or candy or something else sweet. And that's because they wanted them to connect God's word, maybe something that they'd normally view as difficult and hard or boring, with something pleasurable. Maybe it's a bit like Pavlov's dog, who he trained to salivate at the ringing of a bell. So too, they wanted the kids to associate God's word with something pleasurable. Well, as neat as that little trick is, we really don't need a trick to be convinced that God's word is sweet to our ears. God's word of gospel, as he declares through his apostle, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Sweetness of the message that Jesus is our savior from sin, even for us, even if we regard ourselves as the worst of sinners, he came for you and for me. It's not so much the sweetness that the wages of sin is death, but especially that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a sweet confidence to know that even when confronted with death, we have the certain hope of everlasting life through Christ. 
Now, something interesting I learned about honey not so long ago is that honey really doesn't expire. In fact, I read recently that they found a jar of honey in an Egyptian pharaoh's tomb that was millennia old, and when they opened it, it was still good. Imagine that, honey able to be preserved for thousands of years without expiring. What a great thing to compare God's word to. We think about the prophet of Isaiah and what he said, that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. And is especially comforting to us when we think about the gospel message. In that familiar prayer, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That's that beloved truth for each and every one of us, that God's mercy for you His loving kindness never fails. It always stands. No matter what sort of sins we've fallen into, no matter how much we have followed along with the ways of the world, God's mercy stands for you in his grace. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, that's certainly sweetness to our ears. So can you say with a straight face, oh, how I love your law? We can if we understand God's word rightly. We understand that law is good for us and even for our earthly lives. That law is good and that it shows our sin. But also using that general term of Torah, that God's word is sweet. That it provides us the comfort of the gospel. That we have a savior from sin and one who has promised us eternal life in him, Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, how I love your law. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. I invite you to please rise for prayer. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.